you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. Stop thinking about yourself. What if I screw up? What if they don't like me? What if I forget what I'm going to say, which is all about us and start thinking about the audience and what they're going to get out of what you're sharing with them. And let's welcome today's guest, Peter George. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. If there was, okay, we're hearing, listening, watching maybe this commercial. It's about you. And it can be as short as one minute, as long as five minutes. What would it say about you? It can be about your personal life. It can be about what you do, your career, about anything. But what do you want it to say about you? It would be a relatively short commercial. But what it would say is that, I love helping people. Oh, you love helping people. I like your motivation. Whatever you say, I know it's for bringing value from now on. <laughs> Can you tell me about your story of how you got yourself? I, I'm really fascinated in pub. I want to get better at public speaking. And my challenge personally, I'm not nervous around people. And I know public, I think 70% Five percent of population is uh, afraid of public speaking. If I'm right with the numbers, but I, I know it's majority yes. of the people. For me, it's about storytelling. I would love to first know how you found yourself learning more about this topic, and I would love you to talk to me about the uh, connection between storytelling and public speaking. Okay. Well, my uh, my travel with public speaking started when I was very young. I had a lisp and a stutter. So I had two speech oh. impediments. So I didn't speak much as a child mm. and not, not in school, not anywhere really. And that's the way I grew up. And I was very happy that way. I was shy. I was introverted. And then I went to the corporate world when I got out of school and I found out I had to speak a lot and I wasn't very good at it. So I tried to train myself. I got books, I got tapes and those things. And I tried to train myself and that really didn't work. I couldn't tell if I was getting better, if I was doing things correctly, taking too long, whatever it might've been. So I went and got help. And when I got help, it was first in classes. And then I had individual help and it made a great deal in my life in the corporate world. And then when I left the corporate world and started my own companies, I realized it wasn't making it better. It was absolutely essential. And the more I spoke, the more our companies grew. And so when I, I was speaking quite a bit and what eventually happened was I was away almost half the year speaking and it just got to be too much. So I stopped speaking and then uh, sold one of our businesses and asked my wife, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And she says, you love helping people and you're very good at helping others present themselves on stage. Why don't you do that? So I've been doing that for the last 17 years. Because yeah. always what we teach, preach, it's like what we needed to learn the most. 
And best way always, to learn. It's always the story when I ask people whatever they are going to talk about, they needed to learn. It's how I am, whatever I talk about it, I needed to learn about it first and master it first. So that's very inspiring to hear that you transformed and like used your um not disadvantage, but you know, like you Yeah, it was. More, it was. But weakness. You, not weakness, a, not being weak, but it was a weakness in my weakness. capabilities. Yes, but you transformed it as your power now. And it's like a power. Public speaking is power. It really is. And to okay. answer your question from before about storytelling and public speaking, we've been telling stories probably before we were able to commun communicate with words, mm. probably before languages uh, came about. And we would do it with hand gestures and drawing in the dirt, whatever it might be, when we we're telling other people about our uh, hunting experience, whatever it might have been. And so stories are innate in us. We, we tell stories. Some of us tell them better than others. We like to hear stories. We like to be involved in stories. And a lot of people say, you know, I'm really not a story person. And you think about, well, as soon as you come home and your significant other says, how was your day? You're telling a story. And again, some are better than others. But then we surround ourselves with books and movies and television shows. These are all stories. We are built to be involved in stories. How do you become a better storyteller? And then how do you tell that story in public? <laughs> well, if you have the, the nerve, if you will, the courage to tell it in public, that's one thing. And really just touching on that for a second, because you did a little earlier about the fear of public speaking, we're not afraid of public speaking as much as we're afraid of embarrassing ourselves or wondering what other people think about us. No one's ever died of public speaking. And we fear we're going to die of embarrassment. We're not. Easy for me to say now, but it, it just doesn't happen. No one's ever, there's never been a death certificate saying cause of death, public speaking. So telling stories is deciding well, we can go into the nuts and bolts of this three sections, the beginning, the middle, the end, all that, having a character, having a problem, and then having a resolution. But it's knowing what you're trying to convey and why you're trying to convey it and what you want the people you're speaking to, to understand and or do. What does this relate to? Okay. Well, for me, challenge is I'm much better writer than I am a storyteller. When I'm writing, I love what I'm writing. I'm like, sometimes I look at my writing, I'm like, did I just write this? I know what I want to say. I say it the shortest way possible. And I know my intention is never to, for because I make sure it's not for my ego. I make sure I'm talking about something I learned. And the story always has an intention and something that people can take it away. When I'm talking and I'm hearing myself talk, it's not... It's not captivating, you know. I can write about the same story and you, it's a great read. But when I'm talking about it, it's different. And I know I'm getting better at it. And thank God that I can see that I'm not that good at it. So I can improve myself. So in, in that sense, how can, for me personally and for listeners, where do we start? Is it intention? Because my, I feel like my intention is right. Because when I'm writing, it shows. But when I'm speaking, it's like two different people, 
like story it was told by two different people <laughs> so in that sense where do we start becoming better storytellers first thing you want to know about storytelling is there has to be a conflict there has to be a challenge a lot of people just say well, let's let's take the age old uh, movie script boy meets girl boy falls in love with girl boy loses girl boy gets girl in the end and they live happily ever after um, or whatever variation of that may be. So that's been going on for more than a hundred years out of Hollywood, Europe, wherever they're making movies. Think of what it would be if boy meets girl, they live happily ever after. It wouldn't be much of a movie. Movies, stories have conflict. And if they don't have conflict, that the hero has to overcome, then it's just an anecdote. Then it's a, a little what we think is a story, but it's just a little thing we're saying. So what was, who is the character? What is the conflict? How do they overcome that conflict? How did that problem, conflict or challenge escalate? How did they continue to face it? And then what was the resolution in the end? And you can do that in just a few sentences. The other thing to think of is most people start a story at the beginning. And that's not where you should start it. Usually the beginning's not the most interesting. Let's say if I were to tell you that on the way to work this morning, I got into an accident. And I started with, well, I took, I grabbed the keys, <laughs> walked into my car, got into my car, drove down the street. Now you really want to start of, as I left the red light, Someone ran the red light the other, from the other side. I could hear the screeching of the brakes, bump, 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 hit T-bone the side of my car, and so on. You want to get right into the meat of the thing. We spend so much time building character. We're not, we're not movie makers where they're building characters. And I'm sure you've seen movies where they've taken too long to build the characters. And by that time, you're bored with the movie. So get into it. Get right into it. What happened? What's the problem? How you overcame the problem and what the resolution was. This is very simplified, but if we make it that way, it's a great start. We can become better as we go on, but if we just took those couple of ideas, it would make a great deal of difference. What is some one of the most inspiring stories that you have heard that really deeply touched you and transformed your own life? If anything comes up in top of the, your mind. Maybe really, a quote, you maybe a story. When you ask me about what's influenced my life, and a lot of people say this, and, it's, and I'm sure it's as true with them as it is with me, it was my dad. And it was stories about my dad. My dad died when I was only 30. He was less than 60. Uh, but he was my hero. And he taught me more about business than anybody else I've ever met. And the funny thing is he was a firefighter. He wasn't a business person but he just had the ability to help people in all different ways. And that's when you asked me about uh, a commercial for me, and it's, I love to help people. I couldn't help people in the way my dad did. My dad literally saved lives. I couldn't do that. That just wasn't me. But in training people and helping them achieve what they're trying to achieve, not only does it help them on the business level, but it also helps them on a person, personal level. If they can speak more, get a promotion because they communicate more effectively in the corporate world or go out and speak more and build their businesses. And that gets them the home on the lake or their 
children into the colleges that they would love to get their children in, then I've helped them in a way I'll never know. Hmm. I like what you just said. You will help them in the way that you will never know. We don't often yeah. get the feedback. We don't often, we no. get the feedback, people tell, but not all of the people we touch tell us how we made them feel, how we changed their lives. Some of them do, but I like yeah. how you just said, it, it, it is a great motivation when we think like, if what we do matters to remind ourselves that we are helping people in the ways that we would never might know. So I really like that. Well, and, you know, I looked at it, I look at it practically as well. And you're right. Not, not everybody gets back to you and say, this is how it changed, it changed my life, but I'm 63 years old. Some of my clients are in their twenties. I'm never going to live long enough to see the pinnacle of their careers, what they do with their lives. I know that I'm just not going to, going to see it. So I have to know within me that I'm helping them set a foundation for the rest of their lives in a way that they might not otherwise have achieved. And that's a pretty cool feeling. It is, it is. Imagine someone gets uh, picked right on a spot and they have to go and speak with the public and they have no idea. They don't know anything about public speaking. And you have to tell them just one thing, one or two things that, okay, you don't have time. You just have like two minutes and this is the thing and it's the most important one. What would it be? Okay, I'll give you two. You said I could give two. Yes, give <laughs> me two. The first one is breathe. Oh, I like that. Just breathe. When we get nervous, we hold our breath. Think of when, uh, if your little boy hides behind the counter and you walk by and he scares you, we go, <gasps> yes. and hold our breath. And it tenses our body. Breathe. And just like when you do get scared like that, what do you do afterwards? You go, <sighs> you let everything mm. out. And your body relaxes incredibly. So just breathe. It makes a huge difference. We, when we get nervous, we hold our breath. Make sure you don't. And the other is think of these things quickly. Who am I speaking to? What do they need to know? And how am I going to make my point? I like That's that. That's it. Who am I speaking to? What do they need to know? And how am I going to make my point? Talk to me about the importance of the audience. What's more, more important? Talking from our heart and being clear in the intention, breathing and all of that, or talking the way the audience wants, talking whatever, saying whatever audience wants us to hear. Because so often um, um, it's like, do I stay authentic or do I stay authentic while understanding what my audience's needs are. So I'd love to understand from your perspective. It's always about the audience. Mm, always. Interesting. They're the ones listening. They're the ones who are giving their time, sometimes their money, to be there. It's about them. I can speak to, from my heart. And maybe people, if I speak about the struggles I went through as a young person in a city with a lisp and a stutter and, and how I felt and those things. Maybe that'll interest people, but they'll have no reason to ever listen to me again because mm. that's strictly from my heart. But if I can impart things to them that they can take away and it'll make a difference in their lives, whether it's their uh, business life, their feeling of confidence, whatever that might be, 
it's got to be about them. You like to write. If you were writing a book and it was memoirs about you and none of us knew you or your story and no one knew my story or anything, no one would care. It wouldn't sell. But if it's about them, they buy it. So it's always got to be about the audience. Too many of us think it's about us. And I believe metaphorically, we shine the light on the wrong people. If I get up on stage, they shine the light on me. But it's the audience that needs to be enlightened. That's why we're all there. It's how I can help them. It's not about me. Everything we say is just our perception. Everything that every word that comes out of our mouth is just our perception. How do we make our story about our audience? Well, you can tell a story and think about a story. It always has the moral, right? We can say at the end of a story and the moral of the story is. So when you tell a story, even if it's about something that happened to you, you then have to say how it relates to them. So that would be the moral of the story. So you can say having courage to overcome an adversity and how you had done that. But then you have to turn around and say, let's say you were speaking to high school students and you know they're in their mid-teens to late teens and talking about overcoming adversity and how you struggled and overcame. Then you have to turn around it around to how it can help them understand the story, take what you need from the story, move on with your lives, knowing that you can do it too, whatever it might be at the time. But it always has to turn around about them. Otherwise, it's your story. Which tells better? Which are we more apt to watch? A documentary about a famous person or, or even a not famous person or a movie that draws us in and makes us part of that movie? We feel like we're part of that movie. It's generally the second one because that's the one we pay so much money to go sit in a cinema and watch the movie. Documentaries don't sell anywhere near as well as Hollywood-style movies. So when it's about the audience and it's about them, they're more apt to get involved than, hey, let me tell you about my story. If I flew to the moon, I could tell that story once to an audience. I have nothing left to speak to them about. But if I make it about them, I can speak to them time and time again. How would you personally, if you are willing to do that, for example, your story, how would you, and obviously we cannot tell, tell it, we don't have the time to tell the whole story, but in a short way, how would you use your story to connect to the audience? Whatever you just mentioned about uh, how you transformed your weakness into your power, how would you say it in a way that would connect to the audience and would how would you make your story about your audience in like a real example? Well, while speaking to the telling a story, one of the things you want to do is consistently reach out to the, the audience. And we do that in conversations with our close friends. So if I was sitting down with you and we were talking about something, I might say something like, you know what I mean? You know, or has that ever happened to you? And the more we can put questions in like that in to our story, the more people go in their heads, oh yeah, I have done that, or that happened, has happened to me, or I can imagine what that's like. And you, you bring them in. And when we do that, you can continue to say, and this is what it means to you. This is what happens to me, happened to me 
but look what this can mean to you. It's a conversation. You know, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, Aristotle and the like, that was oration. And then we went to speeches, and then we went to presentations, and then we went to talks. I believe what we do now, whether we're on stage, in the front of a room, in a boardroom, whatever it might be, is we have conversations. Even when the other people can't speak, it has to be positioned as a conversation because that's where our culture is at now. When a speech is rehearsed, how do you make it? Like, because when I am present and I'm talking about something that like I'm free flowing, for me personally, it's much better rather than when I have prepared the speech. So when you have prepared the speech, rehearsed, memorized, how do you make it so you touch others when you know everything what you're going to say? Well, first of all, you ha have to write it so it touches others. And that's key. Like I said, reaching out to them, asking questions, keeping them involved. That's what we want to do. So many of us start speaking. We don't make it about us. So we, uh, we make it about us. So we don't keep the audience involved. You got to keep the audience involved. But the key to rehearsing is not trying to memorize. We okay. try to memorize. And that's a mistake. Because what happens to your body when you have fight or flight mode going on when uh, you're nervous, you're extremely nervous, and that's what we deal with when we're afraid of speaking, is there's a fight or flight. Our adrenaline starts flowing. It wants us to leave the situation, all those things. But one of the things that happens is our memory uh, slows down because to, to run or fight, we don't need memory. We need muscle memory, but we don't need memory of understanding things or book learning or whatever it might be. So if you try to memorize something and you get nervous, that part of your brain slows down. And that's why we end up looking for words and forgetting what we were going to say and all those things that happened to us. So when we then try to memorize specific words, the whole thing, then it's even worse. Mm -hmm. Because once we forget something, our brain goes, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me search for that. And what, what might seem like a half a minute or a minute is usually only a second that it takes us to come up with a word, a second or two, but it seems longer, so we get more nervous. Don't try to memorize it. Just remember what you going, are going to speak about. And that's generally three points. So what's the first point, the second point, and the third point? And then just speak about them. And here's what's going to happen, because it happens to everybody, is once you spoke about your first point, your second point, and your third point, when you're done, you're going to go, oh, I didn't include this in my second point. It's not a big, as big a deal as we make it out to be. Usually we go, and that was the most important point, or that was the funniest thing, or whatever it was. It generally isn't, but we always forget something, and then we pick on ourselves for forgetting. We always forget doesn't know what you're going to deliver to them so they don't know if you forgot something or not just remember what you want to talk about don't memorize it you might have to memorize if there's a uh to memorize that but don't memorize word for word that's a mistake even actors we talk about rehearsing actors don't memorize word for word you can go really? to a play one night yeah you can go to a broadway play one night and go another night the words are going to be extremely close, but sometimes the actors will change them a little because that's just 
practice what comes out of their mouth because they're just being real, or they do it because they're bored saying the same words night after <laughs> night. But if you look at blooper reels with actors, you'll see from movies or television shows, you'll see where they might say to their, their kids, let's go out to the backyard. And then for some reason, one of the kids says something else and it messes it all up and they have to take it over again. They keep showing these bloopers. The actor might at the next time say, let's go out back. Now let's go out to the backyard or let's go out back means the exact same thing. At least here in the U.S. It's, it's the same verbiage. Just said differently. You know, mm -hmm. even let's go out the back door means the same thing. So sometimes actors just whatever comes out of their mouth at the time, as long as it means the same thing to the audience and the other actors. So you don't have to memorize. How important is pausing while we are talking? Should we take a breath? Should we talk more slowly? Should we just talk, not obviously not so quick that nobody's understanding us and not so slow that it gets boring. So what is the right phase to talk? And talk to me about the importance of taking the pause. Okay. There is no right pace. Mm -hmm. There's a pace that's comfortable for you and equally as comfortable for the audience. And that might change in any given situation. If you were giving a eulogy, most of the eulogy is going to be at a slower pace. And that's what the audience would be comfortable with. If you came out high energy, unless it was someone who enjoyed comedy or whatever else that passed away. I'm trying to think of a reason it would be high energy. But if you came out with high energy at a eulogy and like, hello, everybody, and that, you know, people are like, whoa, 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 this is out of place. And the same thing if you were at a sporting event and you're a coach and you're talking to your team, you can't be saying, okay, everybody, this is what we're going to do. It just doesn't fit. So the pace, even though you vary pace while you're speaking, the pace has to suit the situation. So there's really no too fast or too slow. It's what's right for the situation. But your point about pausing, the best thing, the most important thing you'll ever say is nothing. It's that pause. Pausing allows us to internalize and digest what the other person said. How do you intentionally use pause after you make a point and you want people to internalize it? You can make a pause? Same thing you do every day when you speak to uh, people you know. See, the problem is we change things. So when we, we say we're speaking yes. as opposed to when we're just having a conversation with someone. If you were telling a loved one or a friend or whomever it may be, coworker, something extremely important, you wouldn't say, hey, Annie, let me tell you this and blah, 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 and just keep going. You say, I have to tell you something. And you pause and you let them set up for receiving it and then you tell them that important thing and you pause again so they can deal with it they can digest it and understand it and start thinking and then you start speaking we do that whenever we have those conversations with again friends loved ones whomever it's the same thing so if you're speaking to people from stage or in a boardroom or that type situation if it's extremely important pause before you say it Pause after you said, and then just pause when you make a point. Like you said, you make a point, pause and let people internalize it and think about it. Generally, when people say, Peter speaks too quickly, 
it's not that I'm speaking very quickly like this and just my, my uh, pace happens to be very fast. What they're saying without noticing or understanding it is I'm not pausing. I'm not giving them a chance to digest what I said. So when people say we speak too quickly, it's just that we're not pausing. Hmm. So here in the, in the States, we say New Yorkers. We always pick on New Yorkers. New Yorkers live a fast life. They speak too quickly. And they do live, a, compared to most of the rest of the country, a rather fast life. So maybe they don't pause as much because they're constantly moving. And so we say they speak quickly. But they probably don't speak much more quickly than we do. They just don't pause as often. Good point. Pausing when is huge. Yes, it is. When you, you personally, me, everyone, when we change one aspect of our life, it automatically applies to majority of the aspects of our life. How has improving in public speaking helped you in your personal life? When you communi can communicate more effectively, it changes vast areas of your life. Whether it's speaking to one person across a desk or a table to a thousand people in an auditorium, speaking to your next door neighbor. Like I said, I grew up shy and introverted, and I'm still both. I'm still both, especially introverted. But being able to have a conversation with people, being able to, uh, no matter what situation I'm in, handle myself well in speaking has made a great deal of difference. And here's where it matters most, I believe, for any of us is you might learn to be a more effective public speaker, but the greatest benefit of that is the level of confidence that permeates your life, all aspects of your life. It's just completely different. So if someone wants to become a more effective speaker, that's fantastic. It's going to do a lot of good for their life, whether at business or whatever it might be, promoting themselves. But where it truly makes a difference is that level of confidence. Can you learn or become more confident while practicing the public speaking or you become confident first and it takes care of the public speaking? No, I think, well, I guess it can vary for different people and be either of those. But for the most part, I believe confidence comes from competence that when we get more effective at something, we have more confidence in it. It just seems to make sense. So as you're learning to become a more effective public speaker, you don't have to get to the end and do all the courses and lessons and every little bit about public speaking. But as you gain more competence, you'll have more confidence in yourself. And that just becomes a stepping stone that you rise from one to the other and, and go, up, go upward. So confidence comes from competence. As you learn, your confidence grows. As your confidence grows, you learn more effectively. And how do we, I don't like the saying, fake it until you make it. I like, for me, it's like practice until it becomes yours. But there are moments in our lives where we're in the middle of learning. We are not as good as, for example, I know that. I'm not as good as I want to be. And I'm not as good as I know my potential is. But still, I have to make that. I have to talk. I not have to. You know what I'm like? I'm choosing to talk. How do I not pretend? But how do I 
tap into the power and into my confidence while I know that I'm not that good at something that I want to be. There's the old saying, if something's worth doing, if it's worth doing something well, it's worth it doing bad, poorly. Mm. And we all know, no matter what, we didn't think about it at the time, but when you took your first step, I have to believe you didn't start walking. I have to believe you fell a few times and your parents encouraged you to get back up and try again and all the things we do with babies and we laugh a little bit when they fall, the looks on their faces. And then when you tried to speak or sing or play sports or whatever it was, no one, 99.9% .9 of us in the world, aren't proficient at it at day one. When we get to be adults, we get into what will they think? Oh my God, God, I'm not that good. I'm not, I'm comparing my blooper reel to her highlight reel. She's awesome and I'm not. Well, she's just showing you the good side. She's not showing you all the mistakes, her blooper reel. You know, it's the Facebook life. We see everybody's highlight reel and compare our everyday life to that. Same thing. So as you're learning, knowing, know that you're not going to be great at it at the beginning, but you're getting better and it is the journey. And truthfully, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this now for the 35 years I've been speaking on stage, everything I tell my clients to watch out for, I've done. <laughs> yes. Every possible mistake, every possible embarrassment, everything I say I wish I hadn't said, but here's the great thing. I don't know if it comes with age or experience or both. Those become your best stories. My funniest stories now are when I screwed up on stage. I died a thousand deaths when I screwed up on stage. But now I laugh at them. And I probably laugh at how could I have been so stupid to say that? How did that come out of my mouth? Why did I change what I was going to say and say something else and have it bomb? But they're the best stories. So no, that's just life. As little children, we don't care. We just do. And as adults, we get critical. Here's another example. When you were five and anybody asked you if you could draw, you said, yes, I can draw. Give me a piece of paper and a crayon and I'll draw you a horse. Whether it looked like a horse in the end or not, it was the best horse ever drawn because she did it and she was proud of herself. And then we get to be older and we go, hey, Peter, can you draw? I can't draw. It's not that I can't do the same thing I did when I was five. It's just now I'm concerned about, about being criticized and what other people will think. It's the only thing that changed. I can still draw like I did when I was five. So when it comes to public speaking, you have to have some of that bravado in you of I can do this. And truthfully, here's the other thing that we have to keep in mind. No one wants a speaker to fail. Unless they're an out and out jerk. No one wants a speaker to fail. When we go to college or university, we don't want to go into a class and go, wow, I hope this professor is boring for the next three months. We want them to be entertaining, to engaging and help us learn. We don't want to be bored for three months. If your boss makes you go sit and listen to a consultant like me for an hour, you don't want to be bored. You don't walk in going, I hope this guy's horrible. No, you know, like, 
I don't want to be here. So you better be able to capture my attention. We all pull for the speaker. And Annie, I'm sure, yeah, have you ever been somewhere, especially if it's been someone who's a little bit older, and we're saying something, we do lose that word, and you know we lost the word, and you know the word I want to say, and you kind of lean forward in your seat, almost trying to pull it out of my mouth, going, here's the word, here's the word, say it, just say it. And you're trying to help where you can't just open your mouth and actually say it, but that's how we feel. We're like, oh, come on, I'm pulling for you. This is the word you want, you know? Yeah. We all want speakers to do well, even if it's out of self-preservation, but it's mostly because we know what they're going through. We have empathy. So don't worry that you can't draw any better at 35 than you could at five or at 55 than you could at five. Just draw and have a fun. Same thing with public speaking. Have fun with it. Know that you did it. Best speech ever given, best presentation ever given, I'll guarantee you no. <laughs> That's not what matters. What matters is you tried and you did it and you served other people. You cared for other people and helped them. I like that. And I like how you said, in my words, whatever you focus on, that's what grows and that's where energy flows. And if we are becoming better and focused on, oh, I am becoming better at this rather than, oh, I'm not as good as I want to be, then we are going to get better more quicker, easier, smoother, because that's what we are going to be focused on. And our focus will be on growing rather than just like not being good enough. Before I ask you my last few questions, I want to acknowledge you. First of all, you are a good speaker. I like the way you talk. And I'm, I always enjoy when I hear people and they tell me that, they just transformed their weakness into their power because it is not easy to do. It is easy to be consumed and to accept the weakness. That's easy thing. I, we think that it's easy to be, uh, I, I, I believe that it's easier to be unhappy than it is to be happy because to be happy takes so much work. So it is easier to stay in this victim mentality of I'm not good enough or I'm not good at speaking rather than taking action to become better at it. So I want to really acknowledge you for working on yourself. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm writing a book now on public speaking and a friend and a business associate of mine said to me, you know, I, I congratulate you for the task of writing a book and how much work it takes and all. He said, but there's a thousand and one books on public speaking. Why do we need another one? And I said, no one's ever told my stories that help people. No one ever, no one else has ever written those. No one else has ever written the, my view from my viewpoint. So it'll be a thousand and two books, but there's more than one singer. There's one, more than one band. There's more than one album being produced because everybody has a different song to sing and a different message to deliver. So whether it's speaking, writing, whatever, communicating with others is extremely powerful. And if it's not just powerful for them and what they get out of it, it's powerful for us for knowing that we did it. Yes, you're absolutely right. Where can people find you? You said you have upcoming book. Also, if you have, what the, what are some other ways that you are bringing value to people and how can they connect to you? And I will link everything down in the description box. 
but still, if you could just say that. Sure. Easiest way to connect with me is through PeterGeorgePublicSpeaking.com. Can't get any easier than that. PeterGeorgePublicSpeaking.com. And they can download free tips there. They can see how I work with my clients and help them. The other thing they can do is listen to my podcast, which is just the opposite, Public Speaking with Peter George. And it's available uh, wherever people listen to their favorite podcast. And every week there's two different episodes. There's an episode where I interview someone on Mondays. And then on Thursdays, there's a quick bite, as I call it. It's a less than five minute tip. So you can listen to it extremely quickly. And it's just me giving a tip on public speaking. So those two come out every week. So they can go there. Uh, public speaking with Peter George. Easy, easy, easy. Go there and check him out, learn more about, listen to his podcast. I'm pretty sure it's those wisdom of nuggets of wisdom are very, very, very valuable. Is there any topic you wanted to talk about or any question you want me you wanted me to ask you and I just didn't get the chance to do so? No, I like what we covered. We covered about why we covered storytelling, the difficulty of speaking and the like. But, you know, it all goes back to if, if you stop thinking about yourself, what if I screw up? What if they don't like me? What if I forget what I'm going to say, which is all about us and start thinking about the audience and what they're going to get out of what you're sharing with them. That takes an awful lot of weight off your shoulders and right there and then you'll become a better public speaker. Hmm. Leave me and listeners. This is the question I ask to everyone. Leave me and listeners. It can be one sentence. It can be two. It can be simply a word. But with something that just comes up on top of your mind, heart, or soul. We, we all have something within us, whether it's a book, a story, whatever. Don't let it die with you. Share what you have to share with the world. Yes, don't let it die with you. I like that. Thank you so much, Peter, again, for being part of the show, for your presence, for your energy, for your wisdom. I really appreciated your time, energy, and tips and insight. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for listening. And until next time. <laughs>